0: And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796 2558. Now, here's Grant Bills.
1: I'm a little worn out, a little exhausted, a little tired of talking about baseball and basketball all the time. Nothing but NBA and MLB, the bubble and the testing and the bubble and more about the bubble and it's always about the bubble and the bubble. I'm a little bit worn down by it. I love baseball and basketball, but we've been talking about the same thing for months. And it's awesome. Baseball is going to be back next week and there's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some positive tests. I said yesterday, I think Major League Baseball has best equipped their players and their personnel to absorb a positive test. I don't think one positive test is going to sink the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know if I can say the same about the Milwaukee Bucks. Next week, at this time, we'll be talking about opening day. We'll be talking about Brewers-Cubs at Wrigley Field. But with Major League Baseball and the NBA, we've been talking about this thing for months. I'm tired of it. Like, I want I want to talk about other things. I want to talk about football today. I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Specifically, one player... Who, his name might not be in the news a whole lot right now, but it's gonna be. Starting the rest of this week and heading into the next month or so, this is gonna become a big story. So let's start there. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. I'm your host. I hope you're having a great night. It looks like there's a little severe weather going north of Lacrosse on the northern side of our listening area. I know that.
0: Service in La Crosse has issued a severe thunderstorm warning for southern Clark County in central Wisconsin, Jackson County in west central Wisconsin, until 6.15 p.m. At 5.06 p.m., severe thunderstorms were located along a line extending from near Nielsville to near Hatfield to six miles north of North Bend, moving east at 40 miles per hour. Expected hazards include 60 miles per hour wind gusts and quarter-size hail. This is a radar-indicated threat, the following impacts are expected. Hail damage to vehicles is expected. Expect wind damage to roofs, siding, and trees. Severe thunderstorms will be near. Hetfield around 5.10 p.m. Fieldsville Oldsville around 5.20 p.m. Shortfield around 5.25 p.m. Black River Falls around 5.35 p.m. Millston around 5.45 p.m. Other locations impacted by these severe thunderstorms include Franklin, Ballard Road and Prey Avenue, City Point, Wildcat Mound, Shamrock, the Black River Correctional Center, and Pigeon Creek Campground. For your protection, move to an interior room on the lowest floor of a building. Repeating, a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued until 6.15 p.m. for the following counties, in Wisconsin, Clark and Jackson.
1: Huge. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams were a big part of that running game, but also Kevin King, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, and Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, however, is on a level by himself. He's on a tier by himself, even compared to David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones. Kenny Clark is in another space. He's on another level. When measuring the worth of defensive players like Kenny Clark, defensive line players, outside linebackers, Players who typically rush the quarterback, their job is to get in the backfield. Defensive linemen, outside linebackers, defensive ends, edge rushers. We measure the worth of these players by looking at their sack totals, right? Kenny Clark only had six sacks last year, and he had six the year before. I think it would be unfair to expect Kenny Clark's sack numbers to go from six to 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 this upcoming season. I think, by and large, we know who Kenny Clark is. I think he's going to make little incremental jumps here and there because he's still very young. Remember, when the Packers drafted him, he was only 21 years old coming out of UCLA. So I think he's going to make tweaks and little incremental improvements here and there, but I think Kenny Clark is a six to, hopefully six to eight sacks a year type of player. Now, in 2019, Zadarius and Preston Smith were sixth and eighth in the NFL when it comes to sacks. Zadarius had 13 and a half, Preston Smith had 12. And they got all the eyeballs, they compiled all the numbers, and and racked up the sacks, which is the one statistic that we look at to measure the worth of defensive players who play up and around and near the line of scrimmage. I understand the Smith brothers get all the numbers and all the attention, but Brian Gudekinst and the Green Bay Packers should be building their defense around Kenny Clark. He's the linchpin. He's the foundation that everything else should be built on top of. I know Zedary's impressed and get the, the the sacks, right? And Adrian Amos and Donald Savage, Jair Alexander, they get the interceptions. But Kenny Clark is the building block for years to come for this Packers team, and they should pay him whatever it takes to keep him in Green Bay long-term. Let me explain. We have gone so crazy about edge rushers the last couple of years, to the point where edge is actually a position now. And I could be wrong, I could be wrong, because I'm only 22 and my memory gets a little bit fuzzy 2009, 2008 and before. So I remember the CC Sabathia run with the Brewers. I remember the wild card game against the Cardinals and the Super Bowl. I remember all that. But if you go back any further, it starts to get a little hairy. Specifically how he labeled positions. Like, I, that's just the type of thing that wouldn't stick with me at 9 years old. But Edge has actually become a position. Players put themselves into the NFL draft with Edge as their classification. Miles Garrett, The Bosa's, uh, Brian Burns was an example this last year. Edge. We've gone crazy over it to the point where we've almost created a new classification, a new position. When building an NFL team, general managers typically operate under this very simple ideology. Get your quarterback. Once you have your quarterback, you want to protect your quarterback and support your quarterback. And then you want to get players to go get the other player's quarterback. So the typical progression of things is get your quarterback, get your quarterback a good offensive line, and then get edge rushers to go get the other team's quarterback. That's how you win. That's how you compete in today's NFL. Those are the important parts. Now, supporting the quarterback with wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, yep, that too. And and finding cornerbacks to help in coverage against the opposition's quarterback, yep, yep, all that is good. All that's fine and dandy, but it's about having your quarterback and getting after the opposition's quarterback. Edge rushers aren't the only way to do that edge rushers and defensive ends are not the only way to rush a passer and create sacks and negative plays and force turnovers and penalties. Edge rushers aren't the only way to do that, but they are the sexy way. And they're the way that that most general managers take. Now, I'm not saying I don't like edge rushers. I'd take Khalil Mack or Max Crosby or Daniil Hunter on the Packers. I'd take those players any day. They're great players and they're very impactful. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to to get an opposing quarterback off his mark. Edge rushers are not the only way. And NFL teams are starting to figure this out. Starting to. In the last year or so, teams are... I, I think it began with the Eagles, when they won their Super Bowl, with Fletcher Cox and and and, and Brandon Brooks and, and those tough defensive linemen that they had. NFL teams started to say, you know what, it's not all about what's going on on the edge. The interior matters a lot too. This is why the Packers should sign Kenny Clark at any cost, any cost. Elite defensive tackles can be game changers. And there's a very limited amount of them. I don't know if you saw today that the Kansas City Chiefs extended their star defensive lineman, Chris Jones. Four-year, $80 million with $5 million in incentives. $37, or $37, yeah, he gets $37 (laughs) as a signing bonus. He gets $37 million as a signing bonus. $60 million of it is guaranteed for injury. The Chiefs know the value of Chris Jones. And he's only going to get better just as Kenny Clark is only going to get better. Kenny Clark's setting up for a big extension, a big payday, and the Packers should sign him at any cost because an elite defensive tackle can be a game changer, and very few teams have them. Here's why defensive tackles can be impactful in ways that edge rushers can't. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, elite defensive tackles cost 15 to 20% less than elite defensive ends. Now, Miles Garrett signed a new deal with the Browns today as well, alongside Chris Jones. Miles Garrett got five years, $125 million. That's $25 million a year. $25 million a year. The best defensive tackle in the league, Aaron Donald, is making $22 million a year on average. DeForest Buckner, $21. Chris Jones, $20. Much less than Miles Garrett. Fletcher Cox, only making $17. Grady Jarrett plays for the Falcons. Not a lot of guys know about him. $17 million a year. 15 to 20% cheaper than the elite edge rushers. You're getting a deal if you can find a great defensive tackle. You're going to have to pay him less than an edge rusher, at least right now. That's reason number one. Reason number two, guards and centers are typically less athletic than tackles. So if you can rush the passer with a player who matches up against centers and guards, so if you're rushing with a defensive tackle, that's an easier matchup. Instead of rushing against David Bakhtiari, for example you could rush against Billy Turner. Now, I really like Billy Turner, but he's no David Bakhtiari. Your tackles are typically your most athletic, biggest, strongest blockers. So why why try to rush through them? Let's rush up the gut. Defensive tackles are perfectly situated to do so. Now, you can slide protections to help with edge rushers, with tight ends or running backs. You can also slide protections to to, to guard against defensive tackles. It's a little bit more complicated, you can't just line up a tight end in line. You'd have to bring someone from the backfield to run up the gut, which complicates the pocket a little bit. It's a little bit more crowded. I'm not going to pretend like you can't adjust your protection to account for a defensive tackle, but I think it's a little bit harder. That's reason number three. And reason number four, and this is common sense, a defensive tackle has a much shorter and more direct path to the quarterback. Defensive end has got to come around the edge. That's why they're called edge rushers. They got to come around the edge. The edge coming around. Defensive tackle and just come right up the middle. Just come right up the gut. And just as important as sacking the quarterback is disrupting the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback. That's why everybody loves Zadarius Smith last year. His sack numbers weren't up there with players like Shaquille Barrett, right? Who I think had 19 and a half off the top of my head. Zadarius Smith only had, for example, 13 and a half. But his pressure numbers were unreal. He was always affecting the play. He was always in the backfield and in the pocket. It's very easy for a defensive lineman like Kenny Clark to eat up a double team and push back into the pocket and force that quarterback off his mark. An edge rusher's got to come all the way around the edge, hence the name. Kenny Clark, just like the Chiefs locked up Chris Jones today, Kenny Clark needs to be locked up by the Green Bay Packers because he is the type of player that everybody wants in the NFL right now. But not every team can have. Not every team has an Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner or a Geno Atkins or a Fletcher Cox or an Akeem Hicks. Kenny Clark is a unique opportunity for the Packers. They can build around him. I know Zadarius and Preston get all the sacks. They get all the numbers. But Kenny Clark is so, so important. And he stayed, by and large, really healthy. Played through a couple injuries last year, but didn't miss time. Packers should re-sign him. I don't care what it costs. If it costs more than Chris Jones, Chris Jones signed with the Chiefs today. If you, if you missed it, I know he had a severe weather alert. So it might have blocked out a minute or so of, of the beginning of the show. But Chris Jones signed for four years, $80 million. If you got to pay Kenny Clark 85, I I don't know. I'm not a front office member. I'm not an accountant. Pay him what you need to because he's the kind of guy you can build your defensive around uh, for years to come. When we come back, Top 5 Tuesday. Top 5 Tuesday. I have come up with a topic that allowed me to include the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks, and the Lacrosse Central Red Raiders. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the five greatest Wisconsin sports teams that never won a championship. We'll have that conversation, and we're going to talk to Zach Heilprin from The Zone about Badger football coming up at 5.30 as well. A lot of good stuff coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. I will be on the WKTY Morning Show tomorrow morning at 8.20. Dave's got to get me out of bed on Monday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Thursday, I lounge a little bit, take my time in the morning. But Monday and Wednesday, I'm I'm up and I'm getting after it because i got to talk to Dave Carney at 8.20. Make sure you're tuning in tomorrow morning. This is the Wisco Sports Show at 5 p.m., which is great because you don't have to get up early to listen. That's that's what I love about the show. Don't have to get up early. Just, you know, go about your day, and we'll talk at 5 p.m. I don't want anybody to have to pull themselves out of bed. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Zach Heilprin, who is a, a great friend of the show and is never concerned about calling me out on Twitter when I am wrong or when I'm being uh, whiny. I love Zach. We're going to talk Badger football with him and what that might look like if we have Badger football at all coming up in about 10 minutes on the five-star telecom talking text line. In the meantime, uh, it's a top five Tuesday. All this time without sports since March, it's been pretty boring, right? I have a lot of complaints, But, but it does bring some unique opportunities. It does have a silver lining. Without any sports, we're not really glued to talk about anything specific. There was some news today. Chris Jones signed. So we talked about that a little bit and what that might look like for Kenny Clark, but We can kind of talk about whatever we want. Like today to start the show, I'm like, I want to talk about Kenny Clark. So I'm going to talk about Kenny Clark. That easy. Right now, I want to do a top five Tuesday. I want to count something down and we're going to do it just because we can, because that's how 2020 works. So last week we counted down the best Ted Thompson draft picks after the Super Bowl. Today I thought we'd count down the top five Wisconsin sports teams to never win a championship. And there's so many good examples the last 10 years because all of our teams have come very, very close uh, and not gotten it done. So there was no there was no shortage of options. Uh, one team that I did leave off, I didn't include a Wisconsin Badger basketball team. I'll just throw them in as an honorable mention. Both in 13-14 fi- uh, and 14-15. Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, Duye Dukin, Ben Brust, Trayvon Jackson, Bronson Koenig, Aquinas' own. I didn't mention any Badger basketball teams, and that's probably an oversight by me. Okay, let's start with number five. Number five is one of my favorite teams, but they're maybe not one of the best teams of the last 10 years. That was the 2016-2017 Milwaukee Bucks. To be fair, not only did this team not win a championship, they didn't make it out of the first round. I just really, really like this team. So maybe, maybe it's a little selfish of me to include them. This team was so much fun. They had Michael Beasley who was a walking bucket, but kind of a mess. They had Jason Terry. Jason, the last game of this season where they lost in game six, we'll talk about that in a sec. It was the Jason Terry game. It was electric and it was something I'll never forget. They had Matthew Della Vadova who wasn't that good and his contract was stupid expensive, but you know what? He was entertaining and he was something to talk about and I'd kill for, if, if putting Deli back on the Bucks meant we could have Bucks basketball back right now, all right, I'd take him 10 times out of 10. Had Thon Maker too. Like this is a fun team and the prospect of Jabari Parker coming back from injury. Game six against the Raptors in the first round, back in the Bradley Center. I was at this game. They were down 51-38 to at half. They scored 38 first half points. And we're sitting there like, are you kidding me? We drove three hours for this. Spent $12 on a souvenir soda for this. Oh, and then the second half. Oh, baby. They came back from 25 down to tie it, uh, and then they lost anyway. (laughs) Is that the most... Wisconsin sports thing to do. Chris Middleton had a four point play. Jason Terry was everywhere. It was a blast. And that team was a blast, even though they didn't make it past the first round. So, one of my favorite teams of the last 10 years. The 2016 2017 Milwaukee Bucks, or as I like to call them, the Jason Terry Bucks. That's number five. Number four, the 2019 2020 Lacrosse Central Red Raiders. It really sucks for Lacrosse Central that this was the year of the pandemic. I mean, it stinks for the Bucks, it stinks for a lot of people. But it really stinks for the lacrosse Central Red Raiders, and it stinks for Johnny and Jordan Davis and Tristan Thompson because that was their senior year, and all three were at the top of their game. Tristan Thompson expanded his game from just being a post guy. This man was shooting. He was running the point a little bit. He was passing. Johnny and Jordan were doing their thing. Obviously, We all know what the Davis brothers brought to the equation. And they were writing a poetic story. They got hot at the right time in the postseason. They beat on Alaska, who they, they lost to both times in the regular season. And the sophomore... Devon Fielding finally found his game, and he was the one contributor they needed other than their big three, and then the season shut down. They were they were writing a heck of a story, and it's a bummer that that season got shut down. Number four, the Lacrosse Central Red Raiders. Losing out on the senior season to Johnny and Jordan Davis and Tristan Thompson. I'm so sorry, by the way, to Tristan Thompson. I always say Tristan. It's Terrence Thompson. I watch too much NBA, right? It's Terrence Thompson. I apologize. I know that but I have it in my notes written as Tristan Thompson. I'm sorry, Terrence. You took your game to another level last year, and it's a bummer you guys couldn't finish. Terrence Thompson. I need Drew Kelly next to me to slap me when I do that. That's number four. Number three, the 2016 Green Bay Packers. These are the run-the-table Green Bay Packers. The fact that they're included in this list is a tribute to Aaron Rodgers and only Aaron Rodgers, because that team stunk. That was not a good team. That was a 6-10, 7-9 team that Aaron Rodgers single-handedly took to the NFC Championship game. And I know we all like to blame... Well, not me. I know everybody loves to blame Rodgers for that. Oh, remember when they played Matt Ryan in the NFC Championship game and they got killed? Yeah, remember when they were in the NFC Championship game and they were terrible? They had no business being there? 2016 is a huge reason why I believe Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback I've ever watched. He He would not be denied... That year, they went on a run after the loss to Washington, giving up 40. They gave up 33-31, 47-42 to lose four straight games. And then they beat the Eagles, the Texans, the Seahawks. That was the five interception game. We did it. We revisited that game a couple of weeks ago. They beat the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, the Giants, and then the Cowboys in the divisional round. And that game itself made me a a believer in Aaron Rodgers as the greatest quarterback I've ever watched. I still have the sports page cover from from the Eau Claire Leader Telegram that Monday morning, and it's Aaron Rodgers with his arms in the air, and the caption just says, Undeniable. And that's the perfect way to describe how he was that season. He would not be denied. Didn't matter who his receivers were or who was on his defense, because his defense stunk. He wasn't being denied. 2016. I challenge anyone to watch that season and tell me that Drew Brees or Russell Wilson or even Tom Brady himself is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. You can't. You can't unless you watch with your eyes closed, which I think a lot of NFL fans must do based on their quarterback evaluations. 2016 Packers, number three. We're doing the top five Wisconsin sports teams to never win a championship. Number two, the 2018 Brewers. This team won 96 games. And that doesn't seem in and of itself like a huge accomplishment, but let me put this into perspective. Take 2016 out of the equation, or or 2018, excuse me. The last time the Brewers won at least 96 games was 2008. The next closest season they had was 95 games that they won, and you have to go back to 1982. So just marvel in that for a second that they won 96 games. That team had its flaws. Their starting rotation wasn't real strong. And other than Jelic, they had some offensive holes. But that bullpen was unreal. Three guys who were pitching at an all-star closer level. Hader, Jeffress, Knabel. Then they brought in Joaquin Soria as well. And Corbin Burns was their, their wild card. They could pitch him whenever, however early, late, three innings, one inning. He gave them the flexibility. That bullpen was so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch. Number two, the 2018 Brewers took the Dodgers to game seven of the NLCS and had a lead. And I don't remember how that game ended because we got a 30-pack of Miller Lite that was supposed to be celebratory, and it just became a a, a forget-me-now, essentially. Just Yeah, we're going to forget this game ever happened. 2018 Brewers, that's number two. And number one, this might be fairly obvious, the 2011 Packers. This team scored, and I had to go back and look, and I didn't really understand how dominant this offense was. And I watched it. I remember it. But they scored 35 points nine times. They scored 42 plus six times. What? They scored 42 or more points six out of 16 times in the regular season. Think about that. And what I didn't realize about the defense, the defense was both terrible and amazing at the same time. The defense was ranked last in the league in uh, yards allowed, and surrendered an NFL record 4,796 passing yards. Despite leading the NFL in interceptions. What? You're telling me you're going to give up more passing yards than anyone in NFL history, but you're also going to lead the league in interceptions? Sorry, that's a a scheme issue, by the way. That was a Dom Capers issue, which I know it's tough because they had won a Super Bowl the year before, but by and large, they returned most of the same personnel, and their defense went in the can. That, that's that's taken bend but don't break too far. It's like, yeah, we're going to have turnovers. We'll give up some yards. Yeah, you gave up all the yards. Not some yards. You gave them all up. You broke a record. The 2011 Packers are especially pertinent right now because I think the 2020 Chiefs are going to be really similar. I think the Chiefs will win 14 or 15 games and they will look invincible because I think there's a certain honeymoon period when a team wins a Super Bowl. Assuming that nobody retires or gets hurt I think the Chiefs are going to win 14, 15 games this year and we're going to say, how many will they win? How many rings will they win? But they just signed Chris Jones and they got other contracts on the way as well. Got some things they're going to have to figure out much like the Packers did after 2011 when they lost abruptly in the divisional round. I think the Chiefs this year are going to almost be a a spitting image of what the Packers were in 2011. Not saying the Chiefs are going to have an early playoff exit. They could win a chip. I think the regular season is very much going to resemble what the Packers did in 2011. They're going to come out red hot, look like there's not a care in the world it's a honeymoon period i think that's what we're going to see with the chiefs all right that's your top five wisconsin sports teams to never win a championship at least in recent history you could probably make an argument about the 98 99 packers maybe the 2008 packers but i wanted to keep it recent i i don't like talking about teams from 25 years ago We, we don't even remember details i like talking about recent teams all right let's take a break I'm going to get Zach Heilprin from The Zone, our sister station in Madison. I'll get him on the five-star telecom talking text line. We're going to talk about what college football might look like. Uh, I just want to prepare you. I don't think this is going to be an optimistic conversation, but I think we're going to learn a couple of things about the upcoming process that the Big Ten and that the University of Wisconsin-Madison has to go through, maybe what this will look like for the next couple of months. That's coming up next. Stay right here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. We have some severe weather in the area. We're probably going to have some annoying emergency alert messages going out. So if you miss any chunk of the show, because we got weather news, just go check out the podcast, WKTYsports.com, or on the mobile app. You can fill in the gaps that way, because I know we got thunderstorms going around. I keep getting the notification on my computer uh, that I cannot minimize, because nothing is more <laughs> nothing is more important than the weather uh, when it comes to sports and news radio. Zach Heilprin, our friend from The Zone in Madison, now on the five-star telecom talking text line. Zach, you're a Miller Park. Like, you get to go to the scrimmage tonight. I'm a little jealous.
2: Yeah, first uh, first sporting event I think I've covered since Wisconsin-Minnesota, the senior uh, the senior day game uh, between the Badgers and Gophers back in February. It's been a while.
1: So you are, and Ebo sold me a little bit, of this too like you are always on the go like you are at every sporting game what's it been like to just not be going to any games the last couple of months for you because I'm, I'm not a reporter i sit in the studio like i go to high school games but that's about it i can only imagine your life's been a little bit different
2: it sucked it, sucked. <laughs> it has sucked and, and hopefully it won't continue to be that way but like still we don't know if there's gonna be more more things to cover like this is something to cover uh but it's gonna be different like usually yeah. you're rolling here and you've got 20,000, 30,000 people along with you. And you don't have that today. And all you can do is go up to the press box and sit in your little space and wear your mask and not talk to anybody and, you know, like that kind of thing. And you can't talk to the players face to face. So it's much, much different, but I'm not going to complain about being at a stadium ever again because. The last four months have just been horrible. Yeah,
1: there's there's nothing to do, especially for a reporter. You get in the groove of going to every event and driving around and traveling. I I can only imagine that's that's quite the change. So, Zach, I, I talked yeah. to you last week. I hit you up really briefly, and and you seem to agree. And most of our listeners agree that there's not going to be college football this year. I, instead of starting from that conclusion, let's reverse engineer it a little bit. Let's let's start with this past spring. So, can you describe to me and my listeners who aren't around? Wisconsin football, and we're not in Madison. What's been different about this year, starting with spring ball? What's been canceled or rescheduled? Like, how has this offseason differed from a normal one for Wisconsin football?
2: Yeah, so what usually happens is, you know, you have, uh, in early March, you have Pro Day for Wisconsin, for their, mm-hmm. you know, for all, and they had that. And, like, the next day, two days later, spring camp is supposed to start. And they, plat- they practice three days a week, 15 practices. They take a break for spring break and then come back and they finish in you know in mid to late april and then they're off for uh a month and a half two months and then they come back and they do workouts this time they were off because campus was closed they were off for three straight months no obviously did not take part in uh, any kind of spring ball and then um you know came back for voluntary workouts in early june and my understanding is about 100 of the 123 guys were there on day one i know a lot of other guys stayed home um and then they were supposed to start mandatory workouts yesterday. And then the decision by the Big Ten last week uh, to, you know, to go to conference-only schedule kind of put a kibosh on that. And, you know, we're not really sure what exactly the schedule is going to look like for the rest of the time, whether they will actually end up practicing in, in early August. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that they won't, but, you know, we haven't had, there has been no official word yet. So right now, um, I, the, the summer actually has been similar, except for the fact that they have to work out in their own little space in the in the uh, the weight room, and there can only be a certain amount of people out on the field at one time.
1: Okay, okay, so that that makes a lot of sense. There's so much we don't know right now. Like you said, we talked a lot last week on this show about the Big Ten canceling non-conference play. The way I saw it, and you tell me if I'm wrong, the way I saw it, it's just a time-buying strategy, right? They, they need to get their ducks in a row. This is the first step: canceling non-conference play. What do you think comes next? What decisions is the Big Ten currently deciding? What are we going to hear next?
2: Well, I think what they, and what they I think what the Big Ten is doing, and I think they've been doing it really since since March I'm when sure. they had to shut everything down, is they have a bunch of doctors and they have a bunch of uh, medical folks working on a testing protocol, and that is, I think, part of the reason, one part of the reason why they went to a conference-only schedule was to be able to. Uh, eliminate the Southern Illinois and the Appalachian States and the Notre Dames who are not to be under the same testing protocols as the Big Ten. And so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to uh, limit it down to the 14 teams and be universal across the board and put in those, put in those mandates that, you know, certain things have to be hit. I think that they're they're that plan is still ongoing. And I think they're still working through the schedule and what exactly the schedule is going to look like. Are they going to move games up from November into September. Is, is that what their plan is to do? And so that they have room to be able to push those games back if they need to. Um or are they just gonna uh you know leave those week weeks open. I can't imagine they are. I have a feeling that they're either gonna they're gonna try and move games up into September. Like with conference games, you know they play September fourth against Indiana and they don't play another they don't play another conference game until October uh tenth, I believe it was, against Michigan. So they have a bunch of weeks in there to fill, and I think that's another step that the Big Ten is taking. There's, there, there, and and then I think obviously the big decision is: do you have a season at all? Yeah, um, and that, that that is obviously something that they're talking about, and I think that's being talked about in a lot of conferences.
1: So, really briefly, you mentioned testing protocols. Does the athletic department in Wisconsin, then, of course, comparably in Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan, do these athletic departments are, are they financially able to test at the level that's required to have sports? Wisconsin is yeah, okay. and I,
2: I saw one report. I don't remember exactly what university it was. Um, it was not. It was. I think it was a Power Five school, but it was like a hundred thousand dollars that they had pumped into testing, uh, and you know, just in these last, uh, not in this last, it might have been in the last month okay. uh, to to do that. And Wisconsin, you know, certainly they are financially able and financially in a position to do that you would not think that would be the case that perhaps a group of five school, uh, the max specifically is losing out on millions of not playing these games. Um, but yeah, Wisconsin certainly I, yes, but, but here's the thing. And maybe it's not approved in Wisconsin though. I think anybody that's going to try and get a coronavirus test in the lines that it, at least in Madison
0: mm-hmm. lines,
2: uh, the, the length of the lines to do it is, uh, you know, are, are there enough testing tests available? And I think, Florida could run into a significant issue with their schools and not taking, you know, supplies away from the general public just to test guys that have no symptoms.
1: Well, I saw today, Brett McMurphy reported, it was less than an hour ago, that Florida tested 238 student-athletes and they had 29 positive tests, which shakes out to like 12%. Like, is there a scenario where the Big Ten could play, but maybe teams in Florida just... I, I can't imagine trying to organize a football season in Florida right now. Could there be differences regionally? Uh,
2: yes, and I think that's a part of the conference only aspect of sure. it. Sure. Even though the, the, the messed up thing about this is, is, uh, I, I've heard that the conferences were working together and that they were trying to come up with a uniform across the, I'm talking about the Power 5 conferences, were, were working together and talking about it, and I think a lot of them got caught off guard by the Big Ten's announcement last month, uh, last week. So, um, but I, I do think, yeah, no, if, if that's it, then I mean, this is a conference only schedule. If that's if that's it, that's it. Now we'll see what happens with the, the college football playoff and how that all will play out. But uh, the Big Ten going through a Big Ten only schedule, you know, is allowing them to have a season even if somebody else doesn't want to play. Yeah, and, and who knows who know, who knows if all fourteen schools will end up playing. You know, that's that. I think that's another part of it too.
1: Yeah, and how many schools start may not be the number that that end up finishing. It's interesting you mentioned the college football right. playoff because I read a piece. I can't remember where it was now, yesterday or the day before. I think it was in the Athletic where the author was arguing like college football might be best equipped to, to name a champion because they name a champion every year. We put four schools into a playoff when, when there's five power conferences like college football, this is their kind of thing, I, but they've never had to do with a pandemic. Like I, I don't, I, right. I don't really think they, they haven't,
2: but they haven't, but the, this, this was a sport that was based on voting.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: For, it's the first 80 years, you know, uh, or 90 years of it. It was all based on voting. and It didn't, necessarily care matter what happened on the on the field so they, they you're you're right they are in a position to crown a champion perhaps more than other other uh, sports
1: I, I just don't know if it's if it's possible even if even if they they are equipped i still don't know if it's possible i don't know if they're going to have a chance to, to crown a champion zach Heilprin from the zone in madison just joining us before he heads into miller park zach it's interesting because i've seen a lot of politicians and media members suggest just to move the football to the spring Now, that's an interesting idea, and I've looked into it a lot. All the research that I have done indicates that that's not really possible, and I think most football people have echoed that sentiment. It's not really realistic. What do you think about the possibility of football in the spring?
2: I think we've already seen the junior college move that direction, correct? Mm -hmm. At least pushing it it off. I don't think it's as far-fetched as maybe uh, it sounds like you do, Um, but there are certainly... Significant hurdles to it. I mean, you're going to be playing. Are you going to be playing football in Madison in January? Yeah, exactly. And in February. I mean, is that is?
1: I mean, that's. <laughs> I don't want to uh, walk to the I, bar yeah. in February in Madison, let alone sit at a game, stand on a stand on a yeah. sideline. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm not sure about that, but um, I think the if it if it somehow played out that way, if it if it somehow you know ended up that way, I think you'd have a lot of the top prospects that could potentially be drafted in April not play. And what school do you think would benefit? perhaps most of anybody, of top prospects leaving when you look at their roster. Wisconsin does not have a lot of top prospects on this roster that's going to be going in the first, second, third round yeah. next year, at least, you know, on paper. I could, you know, Wisconsin, but if it happens, which it probably won't, it would benefit Wisconsin significantly, and maybe they finally get in the college football playoff and they finally win the national championship, and we would not put an asterisk next to it at all.
1: Wow, that's... That's that is an amazing take because we've spent the last couple of months talking about how a sixty game season benefits the Brewers. That's that's out. I am now onto that take of spring football benefiting the Badgers. I'm I'm gonna get on that train starting tomorrow. I'll start writing my my opening monologue tonight with that take. Right. I love that.
2: Yeah, I just don't I just don't know how many I don't know how many players would would beg off of Wisconsin's roster at this point. I don't I don't think there'll be a ton. Um, I'm trying to think like off the top of my head. Maybe maybe one. Maybe Cole Van Lannan. But yeah. like. For the most part, I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys begging
1: off. And hopefully that'll change, right? Over the course of the season, we'll realize that, okay, yeah. there are NFL players. but And I was thinking about that as well. Like, if there wasn't a season and the NFL draft goes on as planned, which the NFL's not going to move their draft for the sake of college football. But I, I was trying to think, if there was no season you know, off the top of my head, which players would get selected anyways? And I, I couldn't really think of any. I haven't spent a lot of time the last few months combing over the roster and, 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 yeah. and, and trying to learn such a thing, but like, nobody right. came to mind.
2: Well, I mean, Colvain Landon's going to be, is going to get taken. I think if he gets to, he did not have his best season. He was better as a sophomore, but the left tackle, he's a, he's a really, really good player. And, um, I think he's going to be the leader of the line and be that next guy that gets drafted along the line. Yeah. And then after that, I think you'd probably be looking at, uh, you know, juniors or redshirt juniors, whether it be, you know, uh, Jake Ferguson or whether it be Jack Sanborn, the linebacker, um, you know, maybe, maybe Eric Burrell is a safety. You know, there's um, Isaiah Lautermilk along the defensive line. There, there are names there, but they're not names that jump out and hit you in the face. But Zach Bond would have jumped out and, and hit you as a guy that would go in the in you know day two in the NFL draft last year at this time either. So yeah, yeah, we definitely we definitely need a season to see some of these guys get an opportunity to make plays.
1: I I agree. And speaking of the next offensive lineman, you brought up Cole Van Landen really quickly because I've not talked to you this spring. Why did Tyler Biadasz go in the fourth round? Can somebody explain that to me?
2: Yeah, he wasn't as good as everyone thought he was. I, really? I, I, mean, is, I mean, is it I, that I simple? I, I he did not. He did not. Uh, I would say this. He won the obviously won the uh, Remington Award for the best center in the country. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was actually the best center in the country last year. Um, and he is a little bit undersized, and he's dealt with injuries. And um, you know, he wasn't as good of a pass blocker as uh, you know they they're looking for in the NFL. So I think there are a lot of issues there. That being said. I think he found a great spot that, uh, yeah. you know, a couple other former Badgers have played really, really well at center for the Cowboys in you know, the last decade and a half.
1: Well, I was thinking, what a resource for him. He could probably hit up those guys and say, hey, can you help me with this? Can you answer questions about that? Like, I think it's a great spot, but I, I that was just yeah. odd to me. I thought he would—and I'm not taking away—he's a fourth-round pick. He's in the NFL. I don't want to take away from him, but I, I forgot about that until— until you brought up Cole Van Landon. Well, Zach, hey, head into Miller Park. Enjoy the scrimmage tonight. We're all going to be watching from home, and and I think the Brewers and and Craig Council are doing an awesome job, and I've enjoyed this little mini spring training 2.0. So enjoy the game tonight, and and hopefully we get back to normal. Let's talk again soon, Zach. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the time, as always, Zach. That's Zach Heilprin from The Zone in Madison. He is one of my favorite, and Zach has gone after me on Twitter (laughs) for complaining about the Badgers. I love talking to Zach. I could do an hour with Zach talking about Whatever. And for those of you who don't know, and I, I've also talked to Ebo, who works at the same station as Zach. Zach reports for that station. Zach goes everywhere. Like, I, I think he's on the road more than he is at home. He is used to being in a game every weekend at every Badger basketball and every Badger football game and Packer games and Brewer games. Like, that man does not quit. I can only imagine the rest and relaxation the last couple of months had to be just killing that man. That's Zach Heilprin. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, And we'll hear from Zach coming up in about two minutes with the Wisconsin Sports Zone update. Coming up after that update, we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. A couple of random things between the Brewers. And I want to hit an NBA point really quick because I I got a question about something. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after Zach. Coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. And of course, our friend Zach Heilprin would have to flex and remind everybody that it's Avi Asael Garcia, not Avi Garcia. Because that's just the kind of next level reporter that Zach Heilpern is. We just got off the phone with him. If you missed the interview, it's one that you got to hear. And you can find it at WK2iSports.com and on our mobile app as well. Download it if you haven't already. It's too slick. I use it every morning because I need to figure out what Dave is talking about. Because I join him every Monday and Wednesday. I can't come in dark. If Dave's talking about something very detailed, something very specific, I got to be on that. So I use the WK2i app every single morning. Download it. It's free. And it's slick. Okay, uh, a couple of random things. I don't want to say news and notes, because that sounds corny. But a couple of random things I wanted to hit really briefly. Uh, Brewers fans, if you haven't seen this, uh, clear the schedule tonight. Because this this should be a treat. They're going to start a seven-game series of scrimmages tonight. And it'll go the rest of the week. And you can watch on Brewers.com. And I know they were streaming practices last week, and I watched that. It was, it was nice. It, it wasn't amazing. It was nice. But... Now, Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder and Sophia Menard are going to be a part of the broadcast. It's now Fox Sports Wisconsin. The Brewers digital team is putting it on, and you can only watch it on their website. But how cool will that be? You can watch them scrimmage back and forth, and they're going to interview Christian Yelich during the game. So he's going to be a part of the broadcast. So if you've missed baseball the last couple of months, this is this is for you. This is going to be really, really cool. It's going to be an up-close-and-personal uh, broadcast and and conversation really with a lot of members of the Brewers. They actually drafted teams for this thing. So Avi Garcia and Omar navayas were captains. And it was funny because Avi Garcia took Ryan Braun number one. Christian Yelich went number two. And when he was asked about it, he said he skipped over Christian Yelich because he wanted to compete against the best. Which is I I don't know how much I can lo- I love this Brewers team. They haven't even played a game yet, and I already I, I love this team. I love the approach that Craig Council has taken over the course of spring training 2.0, saying, I can't worry about the regular season right now. i got to get through spring training healthy and make sure these guys are ready. I can't worry about the regular season, which I love because that approach is, is I think, what is needed. This is a one-day-at-a-time type of year, really. 2020 is a day-at-a-time because we get new information, new developments every day, and I think Craig Council is is handling it perfectly. Uh, intersquad games could also be a pretty good opportunity to get instant feedback because if Christian Yelich takes Brandon Woodruff Yard... Brandon Woodruff can go up to Christian Yelich and be like, "Hey, what did what did I do wrong?" And Yelich can be like, "Okay, well, you know, you it you didn't. I don't know. I'm not a ba- I'm not a baseball expert, but they can talk about it, right? They don't have to go to the film and watch it in slow motion. They're teammates, so they can have a discussion. And while I think there is real value in playing against other teams, there's also value in playing against your own teammates and getting instant feedback on what's going wrong and right. So, so I thought that was interesting. One more news and notes. You can watch that at Brewers.com uh, tonight. It'll it'll start about six thirty. The pregame will. Uh, One more thing, I don't know, NBA people, if you saw this today, uh, the Sixers are moving Ben Simmons to power forward, which is noteworthy in starting lineup only. I don't think it's noteworthy in the way that they'll play because Ben Simmons has basically been playing power forward for years, or point forward. So it's going to be Shake Milton, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. And I think it's really funny, I like Shake Milton because he's a really good story, he played in the G League, went to a small school. I like Shake Milton, and he had a huge game against the Clippers before this whole thing shut down and people got really excited, Ben Simmons is out with back issues. People are really amped about Shake Milton. Look, he was shooting sixty percent from three before the league shut down. And that's awesome. It was fun to watch, but pretending like that's going to continue once the postseason starts after a three or four month layoff, ah, uh, that's a that's a tough sell for me. I don't know if Shake Milton's going to step in and be the guy he's been. The Sixers are so, they're, they're so confusing. People can't quit the Sixers because they have so much talent. They're so good on paper. Well. A lot of teams look good on paper. The Sixers have issues. Because their two best players. Are going to occupy. The paint. Simmons and Embiid. Bringing extra defenders. Clogging up space. So. Because Joel Embiid can shoot a little. And Ben Simmons can't shoot at all. Joel Embiid. The best big man in the league. Is going to be playing on the three point line. Which is the exact opposite of what the Sixers want. And. I will not let people forget that over this offseason, the Sixers chose to let Jimmy Butler go, which I'm okay with because I think Jimmy Butler is slightly overrated. I know no one wants to talk about how bad he's been in the fourth quarter and from three to the last couple months for the Heat. Nobody wants to talk about that. That's fine. But they let Jimmy Butler go to sign Al Horford, who's a center, to $109 million. And now if Ben Simmons is playing power forward, Joel Embiid is playing center, you can't have Al Horford on the floor alongside your two other best players. Their best four players are... Uh, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons... and Al Horford. And you can't put the, fo- the four of them on the floor at the same time. Sixers are a mess. Like, they're an entertaining mess to watch. I'm glad it's not my team. But they, they got some issues. They got some real issues. And I don't know if moving Ben Simmons to power forward... is really a gesture only... is going to make a big difference when the NBA comes back. I had a blast today. I had a blast. the entire That show flew by. And typically when I have fun... I hope you're enjoying yourself as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk about baseball, talk about Bucks, everything. Tomorrow, Wisco Sports Show, same time, same place. Talk to you then.